Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. So welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Katie, we've hit episode 50. Woo-woo! This is episode 50. Woo-woo! Super exciting. Yes. And as much as we push listening to client-informed feedback, some of the feedback that we're hearing from all of you is that you love everything that we're talking about and you're implementing a lot of it and now your practices and lives are getting so busy with professional things that you're running out of time to catch up on all of our episodes. So we love you too and we don't want you to be stressed out. So we're going to go down to once a week. It's going to be great. You're going to keep getting the same content from us. We're going to keep bringing on guests. We're going to keep providing all of the things that we do. We're just going to slow down a little bit, especially as we come into the summer months and give ourselves a break a little bit too. So we're going to keep pushing stuff out each week, but we're going from two episodes a week to one. We want to keep hearing back from you. Leave us notes on our social media and at our website, mtsgpodcast.com. And I think the big piece is that when we're doing one episode a week, we are still going to be actively engaged in our Facebook group. So come join us there. We'll continue these conversations. We're just going to slow down on on our podcast episodes. Thanks for being a listener. And if that's opening up some time for you, leave us a review on iTunes as well. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy. And Katie, aren't you glad that we're talking about personal branding today? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how many times I have to tell you that just the color orange is not a complete personal brand. (laughs) It's a part of a well-crafted, bold, warm environment that I create with my clients. All right. If you want to believe that, that's fine. But I think we probably should dig a little deeper into personal branding than just the color orange. (laughs) What do you really think that personal branding is? The way I understand it, the way that I describe it is personal branding is how you communicate to other people, to the public, to your prospective clients, what it's like to be in relationship with you. It's providing a personal presentation of yourself in a public arena. So what kinds of things go into a personal brand? I think the most important thing is that a lot of what we put out as therapists or as as individuals is writing. So it's our authentic voice, both, I guess, both in writing and in video and podcasting, that kind of stuff. It's understanding how do you speak authentically showing your personality and the professional aspects of your personality so that people can connect with you. 
So, and this is going to hit on a couple of our old episodes. One is about bad marketing. One's one of our very early episodes on what we're all about and bringing in kind of this whole person therapist. We really do embrace that there, there is a personal aspect that comes with the way that you deliver treatment that Katie and I can do the exact same interventions from the exact same therapeutic model, but we're going to have qualitative differences in how well those treatments impact our clients by virtue of differences in the personalities from my practice or myself to Katie's practice and herself. And really what we want to hit on here is how to identify what your best way of doing this is and really being able to evaluate how you come across. One of the challenges that I see with a lot of therapists in creating what their personal brand is, is that like we talked about in the bad marketing episode is we tend to look at what other therapists are doing and copy what they're doing. Yeah. And so then part of that is that we end up writing our marketing copy to other therapists as opposed to the types of clients that we would really connect with. I think the big piece that I see is a lot of people will talk about the safe space. And we talked about this in this other episode, but they're really looking around and seeing what they like. And so they're trying to identify, I think, what reflects them, but they're not actually starting from scratch to say, what is it that I actually offer in treatment? What is the safe space that I provide? How do I present that? I think it's, it's something where I see that where people will kind of mimic what other people are doing, or they'll use some generators that present that (laughs) copy to them to make it easier for them. And so I get worried about that. And then on that flip side, I also see people who are very formal and talking about certifications and they're talking about, you know, it's very, it's a professional bio versus uh, an authentic connection with a potential client. To me, part of this is, and I should recognize that not everybody's going to be extroverted enough to want to do videos, isn't going to want to do podcasts, this kind of stuff. And I respect that. This is not to say that you need to do all of these things to really put yourself out there, but to really identify how you craft yourself and what you're doing and how that's landing with people that you're trying to reach. One of the ways that this came up for me recently is I'm working with an adult client and in working on some perspective taking things with him, an intervention that I had done in session was to help him identify even what some of his feelings about me were. And so when I asked him, when you think of me, what's some of the things that comes to mind? And the first thing he said is, well, you style your hair, so you've definitely got more style than me. And I'm like, whoa, that is not necessarily like I like to I, I like to look at least somewhat professional, but here I am wearing jeans in, in the session. And I'm like you're focusing on that I, I put a little bit of styling cream in my hair before our sessions or in the mornings before our sessions. And that's the first thing that comes up for you. And there's a part of me that's like, all right, somebody thinks that I have style, which I generally don't. <laughs> But I've, I've done this exercise with a number of clients, and especially in my practice where I work with teenagers in helping them to maybe identify what their parents might be thinking. And I do the same exercise. And a lot of times what I do hear from my clients when I bring this up is you're honest, you're genuine, you're fair, that you're, you're not going to dance around issues. And that's what I appreciate about you. And that's something that I've really worked to 
craft as being kind of my professional persona is that I'm going to be straightforward about things. I'm not going to shy away from difficult things that when my clients are wrong, when they are in, in their arguments with their parents, that I'll point that out to them and be like, okay, here's from the parent's perspective, here's why what you're saying or how you're doing it is wrong, but here's where you're right. And my clients really do appreciate that I'm going to be fair and balanced to their situation. So that way they can craft things to the best way that they can move forward. This is something that it's taken a long time to be able to verbalize that to clients and be able to point it out while it's happening. And it's taken even longer for me to be able to explain that through writing because I can't be like, I am the judge (laughs) in my online directory profiles that that's not what I'm trying to do at all, but I'm trying to show an honest perspective of how people are coming across. I think what I'm hearing really is that for your personal brand, besides just being orange, is that you're going to be honest, you're going to be direct and straightforward. And I think that appeals to certain clients. Some clients want want to be called on their stuff. They want to make sure that you're telling them exactly how you're thinking about it, that kind of stuff. And there's other clients who want a less directive approach. So if you were to write copy on your website or in your profile or something that was like, I'm going to provide an open space for you to discover who you want to be, your clients would not match. And so I think that's the important piece that we're talking about here. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing that we're not going to match. And that's what I want to convey. And that's really embracing what my personal brand is, is that I don't want clients that aren't going to work well with me. And I don't want them to end up in my office by accident either, that I really want to make sure the wrong way. (laughs) Right. So I, I want it to be shown that if you want somebody to really just create this wild open space with the beach and flowers and all of this kind of stuff that you can give me a hard pass and you can just keep going. Like, and I'm okay with that because really the ethical part of really embracing what your personal brand is, is it's about ensuring that clients know what they're going to get from you. And as long as you're delivering treatment in a way that follows established theories as something that is going to produce outcomes for your clients, it's great to embrace the way that you're bringing that style in. And the better that you can broadcast that, the more likely that you're going to end up with clients who are going to A, want that, B, be motivated by that, and C, get the outcomes that they want from it. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. (laughs) 
I agree with all of that full heartedly. And I think there's therapists who struggle with this because they were originally taught to be a blank screen or a blank slate. They have been told that they shouldn't have feelings like we just had in a conversation that they should make sure that they don't put too much of themselves in the room. And, and we have many episodes that we argue that that's not the case, but if you're coming, if you're, if you're all in and you want to be an authentic therapist, but, but you're not sure how to identify who you are, you know, kind of when you take off the blank slate or uh, the blank screen, I think this is something that it's really important to do some, some self-exploration to really reflect on how you show up in the room and, you know, shameless plug, we're going to be doing this kind of work at our law and ethics training on May 18th. And we'll talk more about that later, but I think, being able to identify what you're actually bringing to the room, what are the things that your clients need to know about you in order to make a decision to work with you? I think that's critical to know it and then communicate it effectively in whatever avenues you're doing it, whether it's on your website, social media, if you're blogging, if you're doing podcasts or videos, whatever it is, you want to make sure that you're presenting yourself in a way that your clients can make a, an informed choice that you're the right therapist. And I'll point out again that this is something where people are going to make snap judgments about you within the first microseconds of, of even looking at you. They're generally going to be able to make about five decisions about you, whether it's what your race at least appears to be, whether you're male or female or somewhere in between, whatever your body shape might be. They're going to make a judgment about your socioeconomic status that these are all factors that people are going to make about you, whether you want them or not. And that starts to erase that blank screen. Age is another one that goes into this. How old you appear? I know that very early on in my career, I looked like a baby and my website has held that picture for a lot more years <laughs> than it probably should have. But if these are decisions that are already being made about you, you can and probably should craft the rest of the story that is going to help your clients make that informed decision about you in order to, again, get the clients that are going to respond best to you. I think that's really important. The stories that people will make up about us as a blank screen aren't always clinically relevant. And certainly when somebody's making a treatment choice, whether it's the snap judgments that come from stereotypes or from their own experiences with different demographics, I think it's important that we present ourselves in the best possible way. I think the, the thing that I've heard and that I experience is that people get really caught up on the term personal branding and they hate marketing. They feel like it is somehow diminishing the profession. It feels dirty. It feels wrong. It feels unseemly, maybe. I don't know what the right word is. But I think people get really caught up with this idea that personal branding is an, is an indication that society is, is dis dis disintegrating, is deteriorating. And I want to really push back against that because I think personal branding is a shorthand to talk about how you present your professional persona. And I think that it's just a way to pull in smart business practices to something that we're already doing. And we're just saying, okay, you're going to have this professional persona, but it's not going to be a blank screen anymore. It's not going to be a blank slate. It's going to be you authentically. And that's the personal brand. And you bring up the point of marketing. And I do, at least from my perspective, look at marketing and personal branding as two parts of an overlapping Venn diagram, but not necessarily the same thing. Mm -hmm. People can write good marketing 
And that's something that will get people in the door for you. But what I think that personal branding really does is it's what keeps people coming back to you. That the more authentically you can convey how you practice, who you are. For instance, one of the associates who works in my practice is specializing, or I'll back off of the word specializing. (laughs) She one day wants to specialize. I'll refer back to our episode on, are you sure you're a specialist? One day she wants to specialize in working with athletes. And in working with her on crafting her personal brand, I told her that the first question that she's likely going to get from most callers is, what's your athletic background? People want that kind of an atmosphere to know the community that they're coming from and that there really is differences in in the different communities of athletes, that a football atmosphere is going to be a lot different than a track and field atmosphere is going to be a lot different than a ballet atmosphere and that she is going to need to own where in the sporting world she understands where she can convey that she understands and where she doesn't, even within a very targeted niche. Connected to that, there's this piece of putting forward how we view the world. And I think this is is referencing back to the episode that we did with Dr. Ben Caldwell, is that when we present ourselves in a way that, that shows a little bit more of our personality, when we can answer questions on the phone and initial screenings about moral opinions, our personal experiences, and obviously you want to be very cautious about what you disclose and not, then people will have a better sense of the type of treatment they're going to get. You know, if you are more affirming and open to polyamory, that's going to be a very different type of therapy than someone who is a Christian therapist who is very focused on um, heterosexual marriage. And so I think that monogamy. And so I think that there's that piece of being able to present enough of yourself so that there's a better matchup within the treatment. And this is really going to be where you need to be familiar with your ethics codes and to really be able to embrace where that line is between conveying what your goals of therapy are and why you have the goals that you do. And it's not based in rejecting clients. Mm -hmm. For example, somebody who specializes in men's issues can talk about, I have studied men's issues. These are the things that come up in my practice. These are the experiences that men in my practice come for. These are the results that we get in dealing with getting men to navigate relationships and be more emotionally attached. What that's not doing is rejecting women from coming into the practice, which is against pretty much all of the ethics codes. You can craft your brand to be within a certain specialty and within a certain population without necessarily rejecting other people. And it's being able to embrace what your skill set is. So that way, in this particular example, if a female does call and say, hey, you were referred to me or, hey, you're in my insurance network, do you have any openings? You're not rejecting based on the idea of a female coming in. You're rejecting based on you're not even rejecting. You're informing the the potential client of what your depth and breadth of experience is and how you go about approaching problems and letting that be an informed decision of whether or not she would still want to come into that therapeutic relationship. I think that's really good. And I know that there's a lot of complexity to the laws and ethics around marketing and as, as far as 
you know, what you have to put out there and as well as who you bring in and dual relationships and stuff like that. And I, it, this is beyond the scope of what we're talking about here, but I think it is important that we look at that. And for California therapists, we will be talking about it at our, our workshop. <laughs> I mean, and this is why we're spending six hours talking about it and not trying to get it done in 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's, that's really critical because I think when we're, when we're trying to step out and this feels kind of new, I think a lot of people are doing it, but it feels kind of new to, to really authentically present ourselves to the world as therapists, really opening, opening up the doors a little bit where before it would be this professional, you know, kind of mask that had to be on that was very nondescript. I think it is important that we have more conversations about what is appropriate to put out there. I think we can be authentic and then it can go too far. And we need to make sure that we're paying attention to that. And this came up in a conversation that I was having recently. A therapist had reached out to me for some consulting in building her practice and as she's getting launched. And we got to talking about, and you mentioned Ben Caldwell, this came up in our conversation, his book, Saving Psychotherapy. And Ben talks about, we should even go so far as to put on our websites how we practice and the types of results that we have with the clients in our, in our offices. And this is not in a way that's necessarily going to break confidentiality, but one of the things that I'm working on as I redo my website now is I'm going to put, I've done a couple hundred EMDR sessions now, and I've seen results with athletes wanting to improve their performance in as little as three sessions. That That's a way of being able to embrace the types of results that I've seen in my practice without necessarily saying, well, John Smith wanted to improve his 100 meter dash time by that it's not seeking out client testimonials, but it's being able to talk in a broad way, but descript enough of the types of results that we get. So with this person who was consulting with me, wanting to talk about eating disorders, she had an issue around wanting to try to appease various aspects of the eating disorder world. She wanted to talk with both health at every size type folks and people who want to healthily lose weight, but are running into barriers of needing support and being able to do that in in an emotionally healthy way. And what I challenged her, and this is the kinds of stuff that we're going to be bringing into our workshops, is that what you're trying to do really dilutes what your brand is. Because if you're not really in either of those camps, you're not really establishing yourself as being an expert in one direction or another, or even being able to effectively work with clients if you're kind of all over the place. I agree you shouldn't be all over the place, but I also don't necessarily believe that you have to align yourself with a single camp. I think if you can truly craft a statement around what you believe, how you operate, and be able to to do it in a way that is authentic to how you practice, I don't think that you have to necessarily appease one camp or the other. I think that most likely your clients are the people that you really need to to be reaching out and your clients are the people who are going to resonate with how you view things. But I think it is important to be able to clearly articulate the types of results that you're going to help them achieve. I don't know that I would do it as I've done, you know, over 200 EMDR sessions and I've had these types of results in as little as three sessions. I mean, that's not my style. I think for me, I talk about more a feeling basis of, you know, this is how clients typically feel. This is the experience you'll have. I think that 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 in itself is really important that we express 
our opinions, we express the type of results we're going to get in our own voice and making sure that that feels really authentic. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. I am wanting to convey a evidence-based practice without plastering evidence-based practice <laughs> on my website. I, w- I want people to know that I'm going to use results-oriented sort of treatments, that I'm using things that have an effect to them, that it's measurable, and that it's outcome-driven. Mm-hmm. And I'm not necessarily going to get lost into feelings being what drives things and having feelings inform facts when <laughs> we can have measurable ways of helping people move on with their lives. Oh, and dear. Oh, dear. Are you trying to like start an argument? I'm not saying feelings I'm, are I'm, facts. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to continue <laughs> some of the discussions that we've had about Katie's referencing here now are, are one of our recent episodes on whether or not therapy should be mandated for grad students. And a lot of our discussions are that there's no, if there's no evidence to do something, we can't just rely on our feelings that that's a a way of justifying that it needs to be done. And for all sorts of stuff on this, join our Facebook group. You can see the continuation of why Team Kurt is winning the outcome-driven measurement arguments and and where Team Katie is following feelings. Oh, dear. No, no, indeed. I think uh, hashtag Team Katie understands that there is a continuing growth of the art and science of psychotherapy and being outcome driven when there is a gaping hole in our data is, uh, is really not good practice. I think we, we can have another conversation. You've convinced me, Kurt, we need to have another conversation about therapy for therapists. But I think to, to this point, I think clearly Kurt's and my websites look different, will look different because we have different ways of approaching what we're doing. I know that my clients, the clients who I work with best would feel very overwhelmed by a thought that they would only have three sessions. They want to come into a, a nurturing safe space. And I don't call it that because that's not exactly how I would describe it, but they want to come into a space where they can feel the feel through the way they want to grow. So that's what I'm going to present. Now, do I want to have Specific outcomes, of course, but that's not what my clients want to hear. Whereas your clients, the high achieving athletes, want to know that they're going to get results quickly. And I think that's the point that I'm trying to make. Now, certainly, I, I love data and I love outcome driven things, but in this situation, <laughs> I think that I need to to reflect how I operate with my clients in the therapy room when I'm writing my therapy website. And my point through all of this is neither one of us is wrong about how we're trying to reach our clients, that this is part of the brands that we both embrace. And while hashtag team hurt <laughs> is more outcome driven. I agree with that. I don't necessarily want to resonate with the types of clients that Katie of does. Of course you don't. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> And I think that that's a fear that a lot of people have in building a brand is that I'm I'm afraid of getting only my perfect clients <laughs> at the risk of getting some other clients who might not be perfect for me. And when you say that out loud, it's so backwards. Yeah. And the fear is not about, I mean, that's... 
that's the way you you challenge it. But I think the fear is a lot of people are wanting to make sure that they open the doors for, for enough clients to support a practice, that they don't exclude people. And I think what we're saying is that you don't need to exclude people. You need to just make it very clear for people what they're signing up for. Because if you don't, you're going to end up with clients that you don't work well with. Uh, Kurt's going to get people who hate being judged, <laughs> who hate critical statements and being hit with nerf darts. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not critical. I think that's even the word you've used and that's okay. Your clients love it. It's, it's supportively all right, judgmental. All right. I will take the critical word back and call it supportively judgmental. But regardless, my clients could not hang with that. That's not what they want. They want to feel empowered and nurtured in a different way. I don't hit all my clients with nerf darts. <laughs> There, there's very specific rules surrounding right. nerf well, guns that's good. in my office. It's good to hear that you're, you're paying attention to the clinical pieces there. There's also a concern that people are going to get too niche into their practices. You know, that I, I want to reach a certain type of client, that a lot of workshops around marketing are imagine your perfect client. And for those people who have the same kind of sense of humor, it's like, okay, I'm imagining me. <laughs> Which is, well, I mean, there's a, there's a humor to that, but there's also a, oh, a lot of truth in that too, that people are, are going to be effective with the types of experiences that they have. And even in bringing out your own experience can really help to convey what your brand is. When I talk to people about my experiences in EMDR after my cycling accident, that within the first session, I'm hitting feelings that I wasn't able to hit in other types of therapy people respond to that. This is somebody who knows. This is somebody who has experienced both sides of this. This is somebody who got results from this kind of treatment and believes in it. And that's something that resonates with clients. And what I really encourage people to do is really embrace what they believe in and convey that I agree that you need to embrace it and convey that. And I think, you you know, to expand on what you were saying about people who are worried they're going to get too niche or whatever, I think personal branding is actually the solution because you're not talking about clients, you're presenting yourself. And I know that there are different segments of clients who work really well with me. And if I'm able to really present myself, I can have the the women survivors of childhood trauma and abuse. I can have the men survivors of complex trauma, the people who are feeling that they're not meeting their potential. Those are, All of those different people resonate with me because of how I present myself, not because I say, and this is who I treat. I think it's important that we recognize that Branding ourselves, really creating a clear message of who we are, actually is the antidote to hyper niche. And I look at it as there's a lot of days where I go to the office, but I don't go to work because I have the types of clients that really make it an enjoyable experience for both of us. And regardless of what your theoretical orientation is, we do have evidence in our field that what makes therapy work is the therapeutic relationship. And if we can start to build that with our clients from the very beginning, from when they see our website before they call in, uh, Jax Anderson, one of our previous guests, talks about having parents have their kids <laughs> watch her YouTube videos before they ever come in the first day in order to help them get a sense of connection with yeah. her. That's brilliant. And not everybody needs to create all of that kind of content. You don't want your personal brand to be, 
I'm the therapist who spends all of their time making social media. <laughs> Unless you are. Unless that's what you like. But the the messages that you are putting out there do accurately reflect who you genuinely are. Yes. And although we don't yet have outcome data on whether or not someone developing a relationship with you before they walk into your room, I have a hunch that it probably does. And that will improve your clinical outcomes because they have a better sense of who you are. They've already feel connected to you. And so they'll jump into the work more quickly. But because we don't have data, I don't know if hashtag team Kurt will believe it. But I think that that would be a really good way to to connect with clients potential clients and and actual clients so that they can jump into the work because they already start feeling a connection with you from the moment they walk into your office. We we referenced a bunch of different episodes today, and we're going to include all of those references in our show notes. You can find those on mtsgpodcast.com. And one last shameless plug for our Brand of You marketing workshop coming up on May 18th here in the Los Angeles area. If you're signing up this week, you missed early bird pricing. Bum, bum, bum. You did, you did miss early bird pricing. But when you use the code MTSG by April 27th, 2018, you'll get the extended early bird pricing. So if you're still interested, you want your brand to be. I like to get free things or cheap things even after the <laughs> deadline. Use that code MTSG. And until next time, I am Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months.